0: Welcome to The Trauma Tapes. I'm Dr. MC McDonald, a PhD trauma researcher, author, and life coach. I'm here with my sister, Elizabeth Meadows. On this podcast, we read your letters, give you advice, and help you heal without shame. Before we get into this week's episode, I have a really exciting announcement. I wrote a book. It's called Unbroken, The Trauma Response Is Never Wrong, and it is available for pre-order right now. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, any of your indie bookstores, wherever you buy books. It's about trauma, the trauma response, shame, and how to heal. I can't wait for you to read it, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi, how are you doing? I'm
1: good. <laughs> how are saying, you? Uh,
0: like literally one second before we... <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> always sweet. the
0: way, right? Remember when we used, to, we used to take Pilates class together in Boston, and like that was like one of the most stressful... <laughs> <laughs> trying not to laugh instantly like we could be like talking mom had just died we could be talking about something like absolutely tragic in the car and we would get into the class and like I would the whole entire 50 minutes I'd be like don't look at Lisa don't look at Lisa don't look at Lisa
1: because there'd be someone like like doing something random like like in the court out of the corner of your eye that like was totally like I having their own pilates class like why are you here in the like do, you know you be you do whatever you need to do but it was like distracting and you know I, yeah and if I caught your eye like in the mirror it was like all over it was, it was over. really better than that feeling though i was thinking about that um this morning like stifling like, laughter yeah like yeah. Was, like hysterical like i'm going to lose it i'm going to lose it i'm going to like my stomach's going to hurt i'm going to laugh so hard it's like the best medicine sometimes but um, oh it is it yeah is. it is it's stressful when you're in a environment especially when you're like literally trying to like hold your muscles in a certain place <laughs> it's your core you're trying to like hold your core and all of a sudden everything is shaking and laughing and I had like a Pilates class I took once after I unfortunately had like broccoli as part of my lunch and I'm no, like
0: terrible. oh mm-hmm. my god
1: it, like things were tightened to an extreme that like <laughs> Shouldn't be humanly possible. <laughs> Probably unhealthy,
0: right? Oh, that's funny. Yep. So we wanted to rant a little bit more about the body stuff because the last—not the last letter, but the letter before—we were talking about body shame, and it comes up all the time, and um, it's just on my radar.
1: You know, like yeah,
0: you're I think we think we're over. doing yeah, and I think we think we're doing better with it, and we're not.
1: I think the language has changed, you know, Mm -hmm. a little bit, um, but we're still focused on something that we maybe shouldn't be placing as much focus on. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah, totally. There's, I think with the whole like body positivity movement, like there, there's certainly, you know, progress that I don't want to like miss that, you know, we have size inclusivity and, and lots of things in different stores that we didn't before. And that's amazing. And that is because of really hard work by people who have struggled their whole lives. And I think like we get to these moments in history. I think we, we, we do this with racism as well, where it's like, we think, okay, we've solved the problem. We had the civil rights movement. It's over. And mm-hmm. that is such a trick because you don't just, if you haven't healed the core thing, it's just going to pop up in a different kind of shape. You know, right. and I think we're judging people's bodies. There's a certain type of larger body that's allowed. Um, but man, you better be athletic and a certain shape. Right. in order to be acceptable. So it's like, we're just, we're kind of like sneaking things in and then saying like, oh, look, we fixed this. And I don't think that's true at all. People still really hate themselves. And I think it's affecting men as well. Like we, there's this loop where like the system that starts out to oppress women, then then it kind of oppresses everybody. And I think that um I'm seeing a lot more like in my clients and friends and stuff, the,
1: the kind of the male struggle with the same thing. Where do you think people like are getting their like messaging? Like what? What like? What social do you media. Going? Yeah, I think social media weirdly, and I, I, it's
0: just such a fascinating, complicated thing. So I don't want to speak badly about it. I think it does a lot of good, and I think when people don't monitor what they're consuming, it like can run their life. Yeah. And in a very different way. So it used to be that like, you know, I think you talked a couple of episodes ago about like not subscribing to certain magazines. Yeah. Yeah. And like that, that was like one way you were getting that message and you might get it in like commercials and movies and billboards and all that stuff is still real. And every time you pick up your device, there's 5,000 more things that are telling you you're doing the wrong thing.
1: The, the rules and the regulations and the, and the reductive thinking thinking is so yeah. poisonous in a way, you know? Yeah, And, 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 and it's it takes everywhere. you like out of like yourself and what's right for you and what might feel good. Like I, have this, this is a stupid example, but uh, like I, I decided, like, I, I always have like, um, four cookies after lunch. Like it's like <laughs> four little nilla wafers. That's so, like my little yeah. treat, you know, like yeah. Yeah. I've had my lunch and, you know, and I get very, I can get very rigid with this stuff. So I try to like, monitor that. But, um, I decided like, okay, I don't need those. I don't need those after lunch. I'll just have my chocolate after dinner, which is my other like little treat for the yeah, day, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I, I can eliminate the lunch thing. That's not important. Blah, 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 blah. That's sad, and, like, and I noticed like pretty quickly that then I was like, by the time dinner was over, I was like enraged. And I was like, yeah. well, I'm going to have like twice as much chocolate. Cause right. I didn't get my like cookies after lunch. And I was right. thinking like, this is like putting me in such a dark, I put myself in this like dark right. place. Right. And I also think like, once you start to like, um, you know, monitor and regulate things like that, your body like reacts in a very specific way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: if you just like let yourself do the things you were doing before and like, there were no, there was no harm or ill effects. Like it it, it just, it felt better. And again, that's a silly example, but it's like, I imposed this rule, you know, for no reason that was actually like doing more harm than good. Well, and I think it's not a stupid example because I think what it shows is that like shame will like seep
0: into every single aspect of your life until you have no more faith, right? In what you're doing, and it's like that's it, it, it. I think the other thing that happens is you. You, I'm trying to figure out how to like formulate this. I think like you lose access to like the barometer reading, exactly. Exactly when you're so tight and controlled and like right. you, so whatever your body is trying to tell you that it needs and wants you, you like, you don't have access to that information anymore. Right. And so the only way for it to get you to listen is to have an extreme response. Right. And so it will show up as rage or incredible anxiety or real deep, you know, melancholia and sadness and all this stuff. And it's like, if we didn't, do that to ourselves, as you said, like you, you do it to yourself. I mean, yes and no, because you're doing it because of some outside noise that you're interpreting as I'm doing this wrong. Right.
1: But it's not like someone came in the
0: house and was like, don't, you can't do this. You know? Right.
1: I think it goes hand in hand with like the whole like dry January. Like you, you know, first of all, like January is a, terrible month. So like, why would you deprive yourself of anything in January? Is my first question. (laughs) Right, 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 right. You know, but there's, uh, there's all, it's like, it's become this like dogma out there that you Mm -hmm. have to like punish yourself. Yep. Yep. yep, Because you've overindulged in some way. Yeah. So I think it was like, kind of like letting that messaging like seep in a little bit. And uh, you know, I think I'm pretty aware of this stuff. So it's, um, it's just, it's, it's pervasive, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And your body will tell you what it needs and, and what it... And when you start trying to micromanage mm-hmm. that, it's... um, it was, Yeah, you stop... you, It's like you turn that radio channel off. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: that's... Yeah. I, I think I said this before on the podcast, but um, my therapist said to me, like, this was maybe like two years ago. I can't... I have no idea what we're talking about to bring this up. But she was like, I think one of the hardest human lessons... Is learning how to figure out when to push yourself and when to relax. Yeah, and I—it's such a basic, foundational thing, and it sounds so simple, but like it is a daily, vigilant battle, right, <laughs> to, to figure that out and not be swayed by an external source that that is honestly about like manipulation and marketing and not about your like
1: health and well-being. Exactly, I, and anything on social media, they're trying to sell you something. This yeah. is all marketing. If people aren't doing it, you know, for the, for, you know, out of the goodness of their heart, they're doing it because they're selling themselves. They're selling a brand. They're selling a product. It's marketing. It's all marketing. It's all marketing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I do think there are some voices out there that are about education. I think of like Huberman labs, for example, like who's to, to some extent, like not, but, but to find those voices. And again, like you're in control of that, what you consume, you're in control of
1: to some extent. Well, you're also being manipulated, though. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. As you know, in terms of what you click on is what you're being fed. So then you start. Right. To, yeah, it's it's fascinating and scary. Yeah,
0: I, w- I wish we taught, and maybe we do, and I just don't know it yet. Like, I don't even know what to call it like how to engage with the World Wide Web.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, in all
0: of its forms, because you know, even you know, I see this all the time. Like in the in in the field of trauma, people will. The, there, there will be a research study. The research study gets distilled by the media. The, yeah. Then uh, an influencer picks it up. And by the time it gets out, the message is so far from what the actual research said. But then that populates. It becomes the truth. Right. Right. And it yeah. influences the way that we see and define things. And it's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's not even what they said. Right. Right. The research didn't show that. But anyway. Yeah. So yeah, that's the rant of the day. That's a good one. <laughs> okay, we have a letter that's a little bit similar to the one last week, but I think even even if we end up repeating some of the advice,
1: I think it's still worth it. Okay, here we go. Um, I think everyone did their share of fuck ups and got called out for them. It's never pleasant, but the normal process is, I think, to learn a lesson, straighten up, and carry on while trying not to do it again. My problem is the never pleasant part. If I mess something up, even if it's not something really major. The shame is so overwhelming that I usually feel physical pain, have trouble breathing, lose appetite, and so on. And that lasts for days, sometimes even weeks. It makes it difficult to even function normally. I mess up something at work, and for the next several weeks, I'm barely able to even come to work with a cold sweat, racing heart, and awful fear of talking to anyone because I'm a piece of shit that fucked up, and how do I even dare come to their face? It makes me avoid responsibilities because if I fail to live up to expectations in anything, it's a total disaster. Mm. What are your? I have ideas. What are your first thoughts? That this is a obviously a very extreme reaction,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and this letter writer seems to be, or uh, I guess the reaction is not extreme, but but the um, punishing, self punishing behavior is extreme. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and the uh, inability to snap out of it, to, to flip back to, um, some perspective.
0: Yeah. 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 I want to say first, like I, I, I have had seasons in my life that look like this. Yeah. And this writer is kind of presenting it as, uh, you know, a whole state of being, and maybe it is, maybe it's been like that for a long time, but I kind of want to normalize the idea that we don't know any of the circumstances of your life, but it's possible that they are contributing to why this response is so intense and consistent. And I, I think that's really important to say because I think often we, we, we don't think that it could be, we, we just internalize and think it's our fault. Right? right. I think sometimes we forget that the circumstances, we internalize everything. And so we forget that the circumstances can contribute to why something is so intense. Um, and I think that's especially hard when the circumstances are like your job or where you live. I was talking to a client this week about, um, about a lot of circumstances this person is feeling incredibly lonely. And it's very clear to me that part of that is because of where they live and the fact that they're not aligned with the values in their community at all.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, and so finding like-minded people to really connect with is basically impossible But when it's where you live, you don't see that. You just internalize it and think, like, it's my fault. I'm bad. I can't connect. I'm lonely, you know? Right. Okay. And so I would really take a look at, like, you know, they mentioned work, right? Like, is this, first of all, have you felt like this always? Is this from when you were a little kid? Second, are there things in your life that have, that are really stressful or intense or that you don't like or don't feel like you belong that you've sort of like, Forgotten, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. I know that sounds weird, but I think it's actually really common. Um and then the second thing is I want to talk about allostasis, which we've talked about before, but this is basically just the way that the body responds to chronic stress. So when you have um, your 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 whole system, if you think of your body and your nervous system as a system it has an inherent drive towards homeostasis. It just wants equal blood flow, electrical activity and function across the whole system. And it's always aiming for that. So when you have a high level of chronic stress, the system will level up to meet that stress. And that will intensify your responses on all levels. And so that could look like um, extreme irritability. It could look like Anxiety. It could look like this kind of thing, where which feels a lot like anxiety, but sounds like um, it's taking the shape of like this person beating themselves up um, over and over and over again. And i I think in order to change that, you can change that once. So the system levels up, and you have to come back down. Is basically what happens. So something has to change in in your circumstances so that you can get to a place of calm. Now. I recognize that that's, that can be really complicated. It's possible that you realize when you start thinking about this, that it is your job, but you can't leave it, or it is where you live, but you can't move. Mm-hmm. And in that case, I think at least recognizing where it's coming from is critically important. And then instituting a bunch of rituals in your life where you are able to relax, come down and also feel joy is really critical. Like I think we don't, we don't code joy as rest, but it is right.
1: Does that make sense? It does. It does. I think that the idea of um, recognizing the external factors is huge. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. I think there's like this, and maybe we can talk about this on a different episode, but I think there are like, when I, when I think back of my own life, there are things that I did that caused me shame. And there are things that happened to me that caused Mm -hmm. me shame. And I think Mm -hmm. to, yeah. Being able to separate those two things is important. Can you say more? I feel like that's like critically important. Well, you know, I, we keep doing this, like, I think with each episode, we kind of get back to, or I, or maybe it's been on my mind of thinking about or talking about what happened when you were, you know, in middle school, like what happened yeah. at that critical yeah. age. And, yeah. um, I, I, when I'm lying in bed and I can't fall asleep, there are a couple instances that I think of that are more recent, you know, you know, mm-hmm. in the last couple of decades, instead of, you know, three or four decades ago, um, mm-hmm. that I focus on. And they, those are things that I did yeah. that I'm ashamed of that the, yeah. my actions that I'm ashamed of, but now I'm wondering like, what's the relationship between those and yeah, what happened. The, yeah. right.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? It totally makes sense. I think it's really fascinating and important because the two, I mean, exactly what you're saying. The two things get combined and they're different. Right. Right. Because when you have an unprocessed thing that happened to you, the, one of the only things you can do with it to integrate it and move on is to swallow it and make it your fault. Right. And then you will behave in ways that strengthen that belief about who you are. Right. Which is like wild because you don't see, you don't connect the dots, which is very similar to a trauma response where you don't connect the dots to why you're feeling bad right, to the thing that happened to you. Maybe because you don't even have access to it. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. And I think that's probably like, it's interesting that that's coming up for you with this letter because I think that's probably what is going on. I was just reading this section about what the response looks like. Cold sweat, racing heart, awful fear of talking to anyone. That's a, tr- that's a, that's a, you're panicking. Right. Like your system is, is, is interpreting, perceiving real danger. And going back to this thing about the barometer, like that is really important because your body is having a stress response because it's interpreting your circumstances as mortal danger. Mm -hmm. And if you don't turn to that, the stress has nowhere to go. What are you thinking?
1: Well, I think, you know, what you said earlier to to the letter writer, you know, or about the letter writer, like kind of figuring out if it's something a little bit deeper than Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what's meeting the eye right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I would. So I would, I would get into therapy if you can, because this, this work you should do with somebody who can be, um, and who can have unconditional positive regard as you're going through this, but I would love to see you do a timeline, um, of which, like kind of write down which memories are coming up when you're not sleeping at night, what are the things you're referring to and start there and then work your way back. What are, so like, let's say you, you think of something you did five years ago, what then is another time earlier in your life that you felt just like that. Right. And try to like connect the dots backwards to
1: see what, if there's an origin story that you're not aware of. Right. Right. That's fascinating. And I think it, for me personally, like even talking about this and thinking about this, I'm, I have been able to access things that I had forgotten about. Really? Yeah. I don't want to talk about it right now. We'll do it okay. another time. <laughs> I can tell you're like, mm.
0: no, it's just, it's just fascinating. Cause you do. I, I do think when you turn to something, it's, I, I think all the time with my clients of like this image of going up into the attic. Yeah together with a flashlight and being like, okay, like, I know you've been thinking about this. This thing has literally been looming over your head and you're like, I don't know what's up there. I don't know what I'm going to do with that stuff. Like, is anything worth it? Is there anything important? Like, Oh, right. Like that feeling. And then you start going through the boxes and you see stuff that you wouldn't have seen unless you went up into the attic and started looking, you know? So it's like when we open these portals to these concepts, then, then memories come up and it's, um, it's really relevant. What memories are coming up.
1: Yeah. And that's not that, necessary. Oh, go ahead. Just the things that bubble up are like the ones mm-hmm. that need to be yeah. examined a little bit.
0: Yeah. 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 And I also want to counter the, the narrative that you then have to go searching for something you can't find, like that. There's got to be, we have this weird reductive tendency to be like, there's got to be one thing. There was right. one original trauma
1: and um, that's actually been proven false. Um, but not only that, but it has to be earth shattering, right? And it was earth shattering is it, exactly, but from an adult
0: perspective, you might not think that, right? So we have to, it's critical. That's why I want you to be with a therapist because it's critical that you do that without judgment. And that's really hard because everything in the world is telling you to judge and your body is trying to take you out, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's important to find the right therapist too, because I, you know, Mm -hmm. people have different, um, methods and Mm -hmm. beliefs and Mm -hmm. that can be a difficult journey trying to find the right person to help you with that.
0: Yeah, totally. Right. Um, if you're going to do a search on psychology today, self-esteem is one of the things you can search for, um, for in a clinician. So I would do, I would start there, um, and anxiety as well, because this person is, really clearly having an anxious response. And I get that. And I think here, like, I want to ask the question too, which I know this is so annoying to to formulate it this way. I just said this to someone yesterday and they were like, seriously, <laughs> like, what is this shame doing for you, right? And you're going to want to reject that question off the bat and that's totally fine. Like gut punch the air and do whatever you need to do to like get that feeling out of the way. But like this shame is protecting you in some way. Mm-hmm feeling terrible is keeping you safe. It's keeping you small. It's making you uh, not change anything. So there's no upheaval. There's no rupture. Um, It is doing something positive. And when you can figure that out, you can then turn to it and be like, I don't actually need that right now. Right. Like I hear you, you're trying to keep me small,
1: but I'm good. Right. And then you can kind of relate to it differently. It prevents any understanding. Mm -hmm. Yep. It covers up what The what the issue, what the core issue is, what the what Mm -hmm. the it's hiding a feeling, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Or can be
0: no, it is. It's either it's hiding a feeling or it's doing something that it thinks you need, right? So, like, to use the David Morris quote, trauma is a truth that tells you a lie, like, shame is a truth that tells you a lie, a lie, which is that if you've done something wrong, you have to feel that forever. Yeah. And remain hyper vigilant. The more I think about shame, the more I connect it with trauma. I really am starting to wholeheartedly believe that to be shame, to be ashamed, is traumatic or can be.
1: Shame is like a, a, just like a manipulative little fucker, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yep.
0: And like all manipulative little fuckers, like it's trying to do something, right? And like I think, like it's so important that we. Like when people are manipulative, it's because they're, they, they are sensing danger and they're just trying to like lock down everything so that they don't feel unsafe, Yes, which doesn't make it okay. But that's where the motive, it's not, it doesn't come from evil, you know? Right. Right. And the same thing is true of shame. It's trying to do something. And so like, I think if you can unwind what it's trying to do and why, then you can, you can really start to work with it differently. Cause we could sit here and say, you, you shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't be this way at work. You should never feel X, Y, and Z, but like, that's not helpful. It's true, but it's not helpful. You need something in place of it, you know? Yeah. I also want to just flag that this could simply be anxiety. All right. So like anxiety is like a heat seeking missile. It will find any outlet that it can to get itself out. And so it could be that you have panic disorder or generalized anxiety disorder and you, um, your anxiety has realized that shame is a really useful like, conduit to get out.
1: Even more reason to, to speak to someone about it.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So jump on psychology today. You can search by your zip code um, and specialization, your insurance. And I would get like eight to 10 people you can call and try to make an appointment with if you're not doing this already. But search um, for someone who deals with anxiety, OCD, and self-esteem and keep us posted.
1: Thank you for writing.
0: Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's a big step. Like putting it out there and realizing that like, this is a thing that is affecting you and that you don't necessarily have to feel that way is huge.
1: Yep. I agree. You're, you're doing great. Do you have a tiny little joy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it is. Mine's going to be super tiny. Um, that I just made myself a bowl of oatmeal, which I haven't had in a really long time. And it was, um, I'm just looking for like different breakfast ideas and stuff. And it was, um, super warm and felt nourishing and felt like a good thing to do for myself. And, um, it gave me a little bit of a a joyful feeling. So it's small today, but it's something. (laughs) I love
0: it. I love it. The tiny little joys can be
1: tiny. That is the thing. Yeah, exactly. You know? They should be, right?
0: Yeah. I watched mine is um is also really small. I watched In and of Itself again the other night. Have you seen that? What is it? Uh, it's, it's hard to say. It's a it's a special on Hulu. Derek deljadio I do not know how to pronounce his name. Um and it's a it's called a lot of things. I've heard it called an epic poem. I've heard it called a magic show. It's about identity. Oh.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. The guy, the, the one that you recommended that like blew my mind. Yeah.
0: I watched that again and I've just been like thinking about it nonstop. The, I think I watched it on like Monday or Tuesday and I cannot stop thinking about it.
1: That was incredible. That was like really like I, I, the people that got to be in that audience are just like so blessed. Like that is, that was amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think about that a lot actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I picture myself as like being the person that he calls up that he reads the letter and like, what would that letter say? Like I I think about that a lot. That was an amazing, amazing thing to see. Oh, now I'm going to watch it again.
0: Yeah. No, watch it again. It's so expansive. I love stuff like that where you can tune out and also like have your mind blown like that. Yeah. If you, if you haven't yet seen in and of itself, don't Google it. Don't read about it. Um, just go to Hulu. Hit play, put your phone down, and prepare to be
1: just blown away. Yeah, and then you're going to tell the ten people closest to you that they have to watch yeah. it like immediately. immediately. With the same, yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know,
0: yeah, rules. I watched yeah. that because my friend Jess, who I've been friends with since the ninth grade, texted me one Saturday. I was like cleaning the house, and he's like, "What are you doing right now?" <laughs> it's like I'm cleaning, <laughs> and he's like, "Put this on Hulu and like stop whatever you're doing and watch this on Hulu." And I literally like had a like Windex in my hand and like put it down sat on the couch and like turned it on. And I was just like, Holy shit.
1: Yeah. It's life changing.
0: It's life changing.
1: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And it's a
0: lot, it has a lot to do with shame actually. Like that's an undercurrent of the whole thing. Um,
1: Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Which is wild. Tim Gunn was in the audience. I love seeing Mm -hmm. his face. Tim Gunn and Bill Gates and Marina Abramovich.
0: Who's that performance artist and somebody else. Yeah, no, it's 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 amazing. Um, oh, I was just gonna say something else. Tim Gunn. I can't remember. But yeah, that was my tiny little joy. Sometimes like watching something can like impact the whole rest of your week, you know? You're right. You're as right much right. as we talk about like how toxic the stuff that this is why it's so hard to talk about social media and all and technology and all this stuff, because it's not inherently bad. I know. It can be. I know, but it's like, you have to, you can have an incredible positive experience as well. You know, right.
1: I'm watching this. I meant to send like send a text to the family that, um, I'm watching this thing on Netflix kaleidoscope. Oh, um, I heard about that. Yeah. Which is like super interesting and well done. Um, but he, they keep talking about Tupper Lake let's meet at Tupper Lake, which is a total family, like joke, Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) you know, and I (laughs) keep, Every time it comes up, I have this like giggle, and I, I, I'll, I'll send a text to everyone to because they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> it's just a, it's a reference to a, to a place um, where some of our ancestors might hearken from. Um, and it's, yeah, do not. They did not. not. We thought they did.
0: I did twenty three in me. We, <laughs> right. do not.
1: Right. There's no connection. Right,
0: <laughs> but. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Rate, review, subscribe. Please tell a friend about this. That would be super helpful. We are, uh, totally, as you probably can tell, <laughs> self, uh, self run. It's just the two of us. Um, so anything that we're doing is, uh, is coming out of our time and our pockets. So we'd love to get some sponsorship and, uh, some more listeners because we think what we're talking about is helpful. So share as widely as you can. And, uh, you can write us at the traumatapes at gmail.com, or you can um, DM me on Instagram. I'm mc.phd. Thank
1: you so much for listening. Thank you.